there's a better place. You hold on to God. Hold on to his word. Hold on to truth. Hold on to righteousness. Hold on to justification. Hold on to Jesus because there's a better place that we're going someday. Welcome to the NLCC Lancaster podcast. The following message is titled The Red Sea Syndrome and was spoken by Pastor Gary Keller. We hope and pray this message blesses your life. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit us at nlcclancaster.com. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength. And he's my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God. And I will prepare him an habitation, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host hath the Lord cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. It's a song that Moses sang after God brought Israel out of bondage through the Red Sea and out on the other side. And those waters collapsed in on top of the pursuing Egyptians and God eradicated them from the face of the earth. And Moses sings, and in his song, he says, God's glorious. He says in his song, God's strong. He's our salvation. He's our habitation. I will exalt him. I will turn my phone off. Hallelujah. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. God takes care of all these things. And so I speak to you today from this thought the Red Sea Syndrome, and by definition, syndrome in this case means a pattern. The Red Sea pattern, a pattern to live by. And everyone said amen. amen. As you are seated, look at this carefully with me again. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. The twofold purpose of the Red Sea experience as it relates to you and I in the 21st century is this. Number one, the waters closed in on Israel's enemies. Now their past was behind them. The waters closed in to signifying that Israel, number two, was to never go back. On this Sunday morning in this house of worship, it is important for us to remember that the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who brought us out of iniquity, out from our transgression, our sin, the Adamic nature, our past. He brought us out. Hallelujah. A lot of times when we preach about the Red Sea experience, that's just about where we leave it. We thank God that he made a way out. Thank God that he made a way out of the bondage that we lived under and the slavery that dominated our lives. And we thank God like Israel did that God preserved them, 
brought them out and destroyed the enemies of their past. I'm thankful today for every sin that God's brought me out of, that he's brought you out of. I thank God for every sin that is now no longer a curse to us, but that Jesus Christ made a way for that curse to hang on the tree and be eradicated from our lives. But when you look at the story of the Red Sea opening up and Israel walking across on dry land, and the Egyptians are saying to do the same. But when the last Israelite got out on the other side, God turned the water in on the Egyptians. And a lot of times that's where the story ends for us. It's a type of baptism. Every Egyptian that followed every Israelite into the Red Sea, when God turned the water in on them, they did not come out on the other side. It's a beautiful depiction of water baptism in the powerful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because every sin, when you repent of those sins, break up that fallowed ground, you repent of those sins and you go down in the waters of baptism in the powerful name of Jesus. When you come out on the other side, not one sin can follow you through the water or through the name or through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's a powerful, powerful representation of what baptism does for us, the Red Sea did for Israel. All of their sins, all of the Egyptians followed them in, but could not follow them through. A lot of times that's where the story stops for us. We thank God for that. We don't minimize that. We, we, ex, we extol the Lord for that. We lift his name high for that. It's a powerful thing. But there's another reason why the Lord, after he brought Egypt or Israel out of Egypt and Egypt was their past, there's another reason why the waters collapsed in on top of the Egyptians. The second reason, number one, that your sin cannot follow you. Number two, the Lord was sending a strong message to Israel that you are to never go back. I brought you out so that you could go forward. I brought you out of your past so you could enjoy the promises of God. When I compare where the Lord is taking us to where he has brought us from, I've made up in my mind there is no turning back. I'm not interested in Egypt any longer. I'm not interested in what used to be the norm in my life. I'm so thankful that he brought me out, destroyed the sin of my past, and caved in every opportunity that I would have had to go back by closing the waters in behind us. You can't go home again. You can't go back. And when the Lord God brought Egypt, Israel out of Egypt and out of bondage, he brought them out so that he might take them to the promised land. And just as God brought them out, he had a destiny for them, and that destiny is a place called the promised land. Just as God brought us out of our past, he has a destiny for us, and that destiny is called heaven. He brought me out that he might bring me in. And I know that sometimes between the Red Sea experience and the closing of the water, 
and the destroying of the Egyptians and the caving in of any way to go back. And I understand that between that and crossing the Jordan River and going into the sweet deliverance of a promised land, sometimes there are wilderness experiences. But the message today is this. God did not bring you out so he could put you in a wilderness so you could decide to go back to Egypt. That's what happened with the Israelites. They got out in that wilderness and they started saying things like this. You know, we had garlic and leeks and we had all kinds of melons and we had food and meat and now here we are in this wilderness and in the wilderness there's nothing but this manna to eat. What they failed to realize at that moment is that there was a destiny. They were going somewhere. And where you're going today, Israel, is much better than where you just came from. You came out of slavery. You came out of taskmasters. You came out of pain. You came out of sorrow. You came out of sin. And you need to understand that where you're at now is not your destiny, but you're on your way to to a promised land. For you and I today, I thank God that he's brought us out. I know there are trials. I know there are tribulations. I know there are sicknesses. I know that there are pains. I know that there are disappointments. I know that there are wilderness experiences, but you got to remember this on this Sunday morning. Where we are going eclipses anything that God's brought us out of, and our better days are ahead, and the promises of God are real and he will not withhold any good thing from us. So I'm saying to someone today in your wilderness experience, don't let him, don't let go of God. He's still working on you and there's a better place ahead of us today. I'm ready to go to the promised land. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for the second coming of the Lord. I'm ready for the catching away of the bride of Christ. I've got my eye on the eastern horizon. Jesus is coming back back. You got to make sure that you keep the faith, keep walking, keep believing, hang on, don't let go. He brought you out that he might take you into the promised land. And everybody said, amen. amen. The question is, are we ready for heaven? That's a question we all must answer. Are we truly ready for heaven? The story goes like this in your New Testament. Ephesians chapter 4. The Lord gave some apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the perfecting of saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine and the slight of men and the cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive, but speaking truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. If you see this and look at this carefully, we see that God gave to Israel Moses. Moses, a man who spoke the word, 
who gave a definitive direction, who showed them the way out. He has given us today. Now, the comparison I'm going to be using today is Israel coming out of Egypt and through the Red Sea and through the wilderness of the promised land. And for us, it's God has given us wonderful, powerful ministries such as evangelists and prophets and pastors and teachers and apostles. Why? For the perfecting of the saints. I need God's perfecting because sometimes I find myself in a wilderness. And when I find myself in the wilderness, I need the divine direction because never been here before, never faced this before, never had to go through this before. I just want to preach to somebody that God's going to give you direction today. The Holy Ghost is going to give someone direction today in this service. You find yourself needing the perfection of God. You find yourself needing the hand of God. Well, We've come today to find an answer for someone who finds themselves in their personal wilderness this morning. And the question is this, how do we measure a man? I, I, th this morning I was able to teach uh, a class to uh, some wonderful people who are in leadership here at New Life Christian Center. And we talked about our great salvation. But how do we measure a man? The carnal man. The carnal man, when I say carnal man, I'm not talking about an unspiritual man. I'm talking about a natural man. Natural man is judged by what we call the outer man. He is judged by the following. I think you would agree with this. We judge people. It's only natural for us to do that. When I say judge, I'm not talking about being judgmental. I'm just saying this is the way we evaluate people today in our world. And, and the carnal man or the natural man is judged by his abilities, his culture, his status, his, uh, his uh, integrity. We judge people by their actions, by their family, by their personality, by their character. Sometimes we judge them, uh, unfortunately, by the money they have or money they don't have, position or disposition. The man is judged also by his word. And that's why I love Martin Luther King's statement in one of the great messages that was preached in the civil rights movement back in the 60s. Martin Luther King said, I have a dream that a man would be judged by the contents of his heart and not by the color of his skin. And so it is, natural man, the carnal man, the outward man is judged by those things. But today we're on a spiritual journey and the spiritual man, a born again believer is judged by what we call the inward man. The inward man, he is judged by what is in his heart. A spiritual man is clearly described by the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 16, that he, God, would grant you, the church, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with his might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ that passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. If there was ever an hour we need to be filled with the fullness of God, it's in these perilous 
wilderness times that we're living. It's in this wilderness that we find ourselves in. It's in the world that is absolutely, teetotally tied up, tangled up, and upside down with carnal thinking. We are dealing with a society, I've never seen it like this before, on the abortion issue and, and other issues that we're dealing with as a society. We need to know the love of Christ that passeth the knowledge of this world that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. A spiritual man, a spiritual church, a spiritual family, a spiritual community. Christ will dwell in your hearts by faith. If you're spiritual, you will be rooted and grounded in the love of God. You will comprehend. You will get it. You will comprehend with the unity of the brethren that are around you the word of God. If you are spiritual, you know the love of Christ. You are filled with God's spirit. God's way of measuring a man can also be found in the Old Testament at Jesse's house. You know how that the prophet Samuel made his way to Jesse's house looking for a king to take Saul's place. And he walks into Jesse's house and Jesse had all of his sons come before this prophet. And the prophet said, I'm not released by God to anoint any of these king. Do you have have any other child, another son? And he said, oh yeah, but he's just a little old red-headed freckle-faced boy that's taking care of the sheep on the backside of the wilderness. And Samuel said, we will not sit down until he gets here because he is the king. And this is what God had spoke to Samuel. Look not on his countenance, nor on the height of his stature, because I have refused him, talking about Jesse's other sons, for the Lord seeth not as a man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh at the heart. I've got to preach to somebody today. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 16 goes like this. For which cause we faint not. Though the outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. I've come to preach to somebody that the old outward man is going to perish perish. But if you get what I'm talking about, it's going to take you through the wilderness, take you to the promised land, renewed day by day until we all come in the unity, the faith and the knowledge of the son of God unto a perfect man under the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. And the steps to that perfection in Christ go like this till we all come into the unity of the faith. <laughs> until we all come into the knowledge of the Son of God, until we all come into a perfect spiritual perfection, until the measure of the statue is of the fullness of Christ. A man is not judged by his physical stature with Jesus Christ. In the words of Jesus, the question was asked, which of you taking thought can add anything to your height. Jeremiah said this in chapter 13, can an Ethiopian change his skin? Can the leper his spots? Then may ye do good who are accustomed to doing evil. This passage taken at face value leaves me absolutely hopeless this morning. Can an Ethiopian change the color of his skin? The answer is no. Can the leper change the fact that he's covered with spots? 
The answer is no. Can a man who is accustomed to doing evil all of a sudden just start doing good? The answer is no. And when those questions are asked under the law, the answer will always be no. When you ask those questions via the law, the answer is no. However, hallelujah, when you ask the same questions under the grace dispensation we're in, the answer is no longer no, but the answer is yes. Yes, there is hope. As a matter of fact, the latter part of the Ten Commandments reveals God's law and God's will for man when he's dealing with his fellow man, or if you please, his relationship with others. The Fifth Commandment, honor thy father and thy mother. The Sixth Commandment, thou shall not kill. The Seventh, thou shall not commit adultery. The Eighth, thou shall not steal. The ninth, thou shall not bear false witness. The tenth, thou shall not covet. And in the grace dispensation, the Lord deals with the inward man that measures the contents of his heart. For we find in Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. What is the reward is my question. What is the reward for living in Christ? I've suppressed it as long as I can. Help me, Lord. <laughs> Everybody said, praise God. praise God. I'm on my 10th day of this. <coughs> I believe my 11th day is going to be better than the 10th. <coughs> so the question is, what is the reward for living in Christ. If you go to Ephesians chapter four, till we all come in the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the son of God into the perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine by the slight of men. And the cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Here's the reward of being a spiritual man. You are no longer children tossed to and fro. If you're spiritual, you're no longer tossed about by every wind of doctrine. No deception will come your way by the slight of men and cunning craftiness. And the question is, what is the result? Well, now we see that we speak truth in love, that we grow up in him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, the perfect man as defined by God's word, will be a well-grounded individual, a well-grounded individual that's like Jesus Christ. That's why I've read to you about the knowledge of God. And here's a quick synopsis of men who failed to measure up to Christ <coughs> because they got halfway between the promised land. Y'all hang in. I got a message today. <coughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Y'all okay? Don't look at me funny because you make me cough more. Hallelujah. I, I, I got I, I to preach this today. I feel it. I feel it on the inside because I know there are some people that God's brought them out through the Red Sea and they have not, let, they've not yet 
tagged in to really what God has for them in the promised land. And so somewhere they get in this wilderness between being delivered and going into the promised land. And I see a lot of people today, even in the church, that meander in circles for 40 years and they lose their hope and they lose their faith and they actually start talking about going back. I want to come against every spirit that would cause someone to backslide and want to go back to Egypt when God has promised us the greatest future anyone can have. I'm saying to you, hang in there, stay the course, love God. We're on our way to heaven. (laughs) We're on our way to heaven. So here's the synopsis. Here's the synopsis today. They were reaching for the wrong direction. They were reaching back to what God brought them out of instead of reaching forth to where God was taking them. Watch this now. A man by the name of Demas. We know that Demas was in the New Testament. Oh, I hate this. Hallelujah. I don't do this every Sunday, visitors. Y'all come back. But listen to me carefully. Demas, here he is, New Testament, born again. But what happens? Somewhere between his experience of being brought out and his experience of being taken in, he gets out there in some kind of a wilderness. And the Bible says this, Demas hath forsaken me. Paul said he forsook God having loved this present world. Can I tell you, you cannot love this world and please God. The Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. I've got to let somebody know that all that's in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, and it's not of God, it's of this world. And Demas, having loved this present world, he fell in love with this world, and when he did, he decided, I'm going back. There is no going back this morning. I said, there is no going back for me today. I made up my mind a long time ago. I'm headed to the promised land. I've made up my mind I'm not going back to Egypt. Not only did God close the waters in to make sure my sins were gone, but he also closed the path for me to ever go back there. I'm not headed backwards. I'm going forward. I'm going. The Bible says, he that endureth to the the same shall be saved. I'm going to endure. I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going forward. I'm going to make heaven my home someday. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen, 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 amen. I know how you feel listening to me this morning because our dog Loki with Sister Keller and Kristen gone the cage was moved to my bedroom and at two o'clock in the morning, I had one of these episodes and I started coughing and he said, "Uh, please take me to the cage in the kitchen. So he started whining. Every time I'd cough, he'd whine. So I had to take him to the cage. Now don't go whining this morning. Let me get through this, okay? I don't want to have to take you to the nursery. Hallelujah. I do have a message that's in my heart. I hope it's coming across. 
but the fact of the matter is, Demas loved this present world. There's some others that, that knew what was going on, but, but they refused to buy into it. Pilate was a man who knew the truth. He was a man who said, I find no fault in Jesus Christ. And he tried to wash his hands, but he could not do that, ladies and gentlemen. He knew what was right. What about Agrippa, King Agrippa? King Agrippa, the, he, the apostle Paul stood there and, and, and shared with him the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Agrippa said, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. You almost convinced me, Paul. I'm going to tell you something right now. Paul said, I would that not almost, but altogether you would have been convinced because the kingdom that I'm talking about is greater than the kingdom of this world. Hallelujah. But politically, the king could not afford to embrace Jesus Christ. Can I preach to you right now? We cannot afford to cave into this world. We must indeed embrace Jesus Christ regardless of what this society says about him. There's still one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God who's above all, through all, and in you. And his name is Jesus. What about Samson? Sad story. Samson felt the presence of God. He knew what God was all about. But the Bible says that Samson got to such a position that God's presence left and he didn't even know it. He wist not that the spirit of God had departed. He was too carnal. He was wrapped up in the pleasures of this world. When the Lord Jesus Christ saves you, he saves you from the condemnation of the law and he changes you from the inside out, which suggests both two things. Number one, it suggests that we've been delivered from something and that we are delivered unto something. That's, here's the pivotal point. This is the decimal point in this message is God has delivered us. But if you're Demas, if you're Agrippa, if you're Samuel or, or uh, 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 Solomon, if or, let me get it right, Samson. I knew it started with an S. If you are one of these guys that I talked about, you you understood that God delivered you from something, but you know what? <laughs> you had no vision of what he was delivering you to, and therefore you was willing to go back. What I hope today is this, that God will reveal what he's taking us to. Hallelujah. There's a promised land, Israel. There's a land that flows with milk and honey. There are, there are wells you didn't dig. There are cities you didn't build. There are vineyards you didn't plant. You're going to get all of that. Can I preach to somebody? God help us today to see where we're going. I thank God that he brought us out, but it's not enough just to say, oh yeah, he brought me out. We got to get a vision of where he's taken us to. He's brought me out so he can take me to, and it's that pivotal point right there where people, I watch this all the time, where people begin to backslide. I, they don't backslide just because they want to go back. They backslide because they don't see where they're going. They don't understand that there's a better, I'm going to preach to somebody right now. There's a better place. You hold on to God. Hold on to his word. Hold on to truth. Hold on to righteousness. Hold on to justification. Hold on to Jesus because there's a better place that we're going someday. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so that's the message today. It's what he saved us from, but it's also what he is saving us to. He's delivered us from that he might deliver us unto. 
It goes like this. God has delivered us from darkness, but he's delivered us unto light. And if he just delivers you from darkness and you don't catch the vision of the light, you'll think that darkness is all right. No, he delivers you from darkness unto light. First Peter 2, 9, you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Why? That you should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness. Don't stop there. Unto his marvelous light. That's the message today. God brought me out of darkness. I'm not going back, Demas. I'm not going back, Samson. I'm going forward. He brought me out that he might take me to the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What else did he do? I hope somebody will shout right here to help me preach. <clears throat> well, that didn't work. Y'all got quiet as I've ever heard it. Okay, so let me try to give you a little something to shout about right here. He brought me out of my guilt unto forgiveness. Hallelujah. In other words, Ephesians 1, 7 says, in whom we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. I was guilty, but he brought me through the Red Sea. And now he's taking me to the promised land. He's taken us from slavery unto freedom. According to Galatians 5, 1, stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free and be be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Whatever you do, don't get tied up with the yoke of bondage. There's no going back. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Somebody needs to understand that where you are right now is not where you're going to be. Right now where you are if it's a pivotal point and you've got a choice to go back, Hallelujah, you've got a choice to go forward. I suggest you get a hold of God and say, Lord, I want everything you promised in this word. I want the promises of God that are yea and amen, and your word will not return void because you are the God that has brought us out of darkness into a marvelous light. <coughs> Watch this carefully. God has taken us from death unto life. Praise God. I heard a message yesterday. Oh, Lord. Hallelujah. Brother Randy Keyes was preaching, and I was listening to him, and I shared this with the prayer team before church. Brother Keyes said last night in that sermon, he said, you know, there are some Christians. This is pretty good right here. I wish I'd have thought of this. He said, there are some Christians that are like a hard piece of flint, and the only way God can get anything out of them is just a beat on them. You got to hit them. You got to hit them. And then, oh, a little spark. Oh, Lord, I've seen Christians like that in Muskegon. Hallelujah. Not around here. And then he said, there are some Christians that are like a sponge. God has to squeeze them to finally get a drop out of them. He's got to hit them to get a spark. He's got to squeeze them to get a drop. 
Oh, but then Brother Keith said, there are some that are like a honeycomb. Hallelujah. You can't even touch it without getting it all over you. It just kind of flows out of them. Can I preach to you right now? Jesus said, taste and see that the Lord is good. It's like this. It's sweeter than the honey in a honeycomb. Hallelujah. I don't want to be one of those Christians that God has to beat to get me to understand there's something better. I don't want him to have to squeeze me all the time to get a drop of spirituality out of me. I want to be like the honeycomb. I've got energy. I see where he's brought me. I understand where I am. He brought me out. You think I'm going back? You think God's going to have to work on me because I want to go back? No, I'm ready to go forward. I want the kingdom of God here and now. I want the blessing of God for you here and now. I want honey in this place today. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. So he takes us from death unto life as sin hath reigned unto death. Even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Perfected in his image is what Paul's talking about. Perfected in his image. In 1 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap in themselves teachers having itching ears. They shall be turned away from the truth. They get into that wilderness experience and they turn away from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I'm now ready to be offered the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me at that day and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. The perfection is this. This is where Paul found himself. He said, guess what? Never went back. He, he was a bright light that knocked me down on the road to Damascus. And it's at the end of my life. And I'm telling a young preacher, watch this carefully. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I kept the faith. Now something happens when you do that. Praise God. This is the good news today. If you find yourself in a wilderness, keep fighting. You find yourself, stay the course. Don't give up on your faith. And guess what? There is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord shall give to me, but not to me only, but also to all them that love his appearing. I'm just saying you've got to speak the truth. Here it is. Speak the truth in love. Grow up in him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. And my final scripture is that same verse, Ephesians 4, 15 in the Amplified Bible. Rather, let our lives lovingly express truth in all things, speaking truly, dealing truly, living truly, Enfolded in love, let us grow up in every way and in all things into him who is the head, even Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. I'm just telling somebody today, and this is what I felt yesterday and I feel today, that there are some that somewhere between their deliverance from Egypt and their arriving at the promised land, they find themselves in that position and they're not sure exactly what to do. Well, I've come today to tell you what to do. 
People today say, well, I don't need a preacher telling me what to do. I'm going to tell you what to do. I don't need anybody. No, I'm telling you what to do. Hallelujah. I'm just going to tell you what to do on this Sunday morning. I'm going to tell you what to do. Get a hold of God. Don't go back. I'm just telling you there's nothing in Egypt you want. There's nothing in your past that you want. Hallelujah. God brought you out of drugs. You think that's where the answer is? God brought you out of your past. You think that's where the answer is? No, we've got, listen, God has you right where he wants you and he's going to see you through. He said he would never leave us nor forsake us. He would not let go of us. He's taken us to a better place. I'm going to tell you what to do. Stay the course. Put one foot in front of the other. Get a hold of God. Don't let go of the Holy Ghost. Don't let go of what you know is right. There's no going back. There is no going back. We are not going back. There's nothing back there. God's brought us out. And if he brought you out, he can keep you, keep you to the end. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Don't think for one moment the God that brought you out doesn't have the power to take you in. And that concludes this podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. And for those of you on iTunes, leave us a good rating. Thank you for listening to the NLCC Lancaster Podcast.